welcome back to another episode of the podcast from the depths of darkness to the light of success i am your host chris swick and on this podcast we talk about mental health addictions and really anything anyone's afraid to talk about we talk about it on this show i want to make people afraid to not talk about these things i believe everyone's story is valuable at the end of the day doesn't matter what walk of life you come from you're all welcome on this platform before we get started, head over to that YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, turn on the notifications, head over to the Instagram page at Depths of Dark Side, hit the follow button if you want to follow along on my journey and my personal life and with the podcast. With no further ado, from Calgary, Alberta, I got a great guest with me today. I got Liban Hassan. You want to take it away and let them know a little bit about you and what you're all about? Thank you, Chris, man. I appreciate you having me on. You said you were going to butcher my name and you didn't. Kudos to you, man. My name is I am a writer actually let's let's pull that back i'm a father first i am a friend i am a husband a son those are the places where i truly draw my value from i always had a had a rough time you know with with introductions because we live in a society where people tend to introduce themselves with the letters and the positions and their skill sets and stuff like that and those are all fine and dandy nothing wrong with that but i think i think when introducing yourself you should always if you're going to introduce yourself with anything besides your name, it should truly be things that you draw value from and things that you can't, you can't have taken away from you that are truly yours. And that you say that, man, like the fatherhood, yeah. a husband, a son, uncle, and aunt, whatever it is, like you, you can't take those things away from someone and you should never introduce, oh, I'm Chris or I'm Liban. I have a PhD in this, a PhD in that. We're no better than anyone else. We're all human. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And we do truly, we do live in that, in those times where people, you know, they find value and pride, which by all means you should, but it's to an extent where for me, it becomes uncomfortable where the letters start defining you rather than the person that the name that comes behind the letters there. And they may be achievements, but you being yourself, there's only one of you on this planet. So you being yourself is an achievement in, in its own. And that should truly be where you start everything. But after I am those things, I am a, I'm a writer. I am the founder and owner of Sophia Media. It is a uh, digital media company out here in Calgary. From my understanding, I am the only Black-owned digital uh, media, digital PR company here in Calgary. I help build respected, build relationships with your respective publics. You know how PR goes. <laughs> it's uh, it's some cool stuff, but I, I get to work. I've been specializing and finding a niche with working with artists and small businesses and uh, creatives more often than not. And I get to, I get to dress how I want to dress to work it on that. That's the fun part. That's where I, I, I find a lot of value from is, uh, is being able to, when you have ownership over your stuff, it's you get to come to work however you want to come to work, you know? And yeah, I'm wearing a pair of shorts on the head and a fit and a half and a gold chain, man. And that's, uh, and that's my work attire. I love that you say that, man. And you can do what you want. You know what I mean? You're your own boss. You have no one to answer to at the end of the day, except for yourself. So if you mess something up, you only have yourself to look upon here. And you touched upon being a writer there over the last couple of days, uh, leading up to recording this with you. I've been reading some of your blogs and stuff, and there's some really deep ones. I like the the sock, the lock in the sock one. That was one that I read last <laughs> night, and it goes right. really deep, though. It brought back some memories for me, too, being locked up as well. And all those crazy things going through my head, and especially where I went as well, 
I knew no one. I, I had no clue what I was getting myself into because I was dragged down the 401 five and a half, six hours from where I am in southwestern Ontario here down towards Ottawa. So I had no clue what I was getting myself into, but I sort of just went in with the mentality just to, you know, sit back, shut up and do my thing and do whatever I need to do to get the hell out of there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give to, to give a little context to what you're talking about. There is my blog post, uh, drop a lock in the sack, which is a cautionary tale about the importance of a preparation. And so it's like an analogy of past experiences of going to jail and getting growing up in the hood and, and anywhere. It doesn't really have to be the hood, but anywhere that's over-policed, where, where the chances of you running into the cops are higher than not, you will run into the cops. That was my reality for a while. I lived in a place where we were over-policed, and so I ran into the cops a lot. And, uh, and a lesson that I learned was the importance of preparation. Drop the lock in the sock. If, if you've been to jail, you know what I'm talking about, that analogy of getting ready for the uh, the unexpected. And in this journey of like unlearning and relearning for myself, that I think we were talking about this not too long ago, about doing shadow work and all this stuff. It's, it's preparation for uh, the transformation that you're in the journey that we're embarking on going by. Now, the importance of preparation goes a long way, man. And I have a big board in my living room. My, my wife is working there right now. But I have three big boards. I have one, it's my calendar. And then I have a small one, which is like my daily deliverables. And then I have one for my week's plan. And so the one for my week's plans at the bottom of it, I have a, a quote that says, a, an ounce of preparation is better than a pound of cake. And so I, I love that, man. Me. I don't know where I heard it. And maybe it was a movie. I'm a big movie buff, but I heard it somewhere. And that's become like a, almost like a mantra in my house where just a little bit of prep is going to be better than a lot of cure and cure in that sense would be the damage control that comes from the mess that you cause when you're not prepared for shit. And, and also the worst thing I feel like one of the worst things in life that can happen to you is for opportunity to present itself and you not be ready. That's a sucky situation, a sucky place to be in. And if you stay prepared and stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And that's the, that's the mantra that I really, you know. I, I model a lot of my life after at this point in time. That's amazing. And over our talks and stuff like that, you've really honed in on just working on yourself and not worrying about the outside world too, man, because you can only control your own actions and, and reactions to the, the outside world. So if you give into the outside world, when we were talking recently about this too, you know, not worrying about all these old friends or whatever, because if we go back to that old life of ours, we're just going to be down that same hole again and back to square one and have to build up again. So it's all about just setting those boundaries and those intentions, those, you know, positive intentions in life. And I can see that you're doing that. No, I appreciate that, man. I'm not sure if you're more, more so like me in the sense where, you know, you are your own worst enemy. If you don't like keep it in check, I tend to self-destruct. I tend to self-harm, self-deprecate. <laughs> left to my own devices and I've learned this I'm turning 34 years old this year and so on this journey of you know that I've embarked on of transform transforming myself mentally from a, a young man to a, a, a young boy to a a full-grown man really takes care of what he has to take care of preparation understanding my weaknesses understanding my strengths leaning into my strengths and and also like really setting those boundaries for my weaknesses, because I know what I'm susceptible to. And though it's those, it's that walk of life, because often, more often than not, the people that are on that walk of life are people that you have a lot of personal experience with. 
And so it's easy to go find your way back into the belly of the beast, so to say. And after all this work I've done, the, the, the most dangerous place for me to be is, is a place where I'm susceptible to, to slipping back into old habits and stuff like that. And so I stay very mindful of, of that shit for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I do too. Like I don't go put myself in situations, whether it's hanging out with people that are doing drugs, selling drugs, those types of things. Same for you. Probably not going out and hanging out with what with the guys that are doing things that they're doing and stuff like that your old homies and stuff like that because it's just not who you are today you have kids to worry about a daughter to worry about a wife to worry about bigger the bigger picture is what you're worrying about and if you go back to that you lose everything same with me if i go back to my old lifestyle i lose everything all bets are off i I will either end up in jail institutions or death Mm -hmm. end of the story but then if i go back exactly so you're gonna either especially at this point where we're where we're full grown adults. And so fucking up and going back for us, it's not about one of three options. It's one of two options, right? It's either we're going to die or we're going to end up in jail and just being mindful of that. I, like you said, I got the, I got a daughter, I got a wife, I got, uh, businesses. I own. I'm a third year PR student. I went back to school at, at 30, man. And, and I'm almost done. I see the finish line. And so for me, it's, uh, it's, it's in no benefit for me to put myself, uh, to sacrifice myself again. And for a long time, I felt like that was the case, right? It's like when you live the life I've lived and make your way out of it, you have this thing called, I read about it, it's called survivor's remorse. And it's, you feel bad for the fact that it's like, why me? Why did I have the wherewithal to put myself out of it? And why not my, the people that I love? And so you, uh, you sacrifice yourself by constantly going back into the belly of the beast with hopes of like being able to drag somebody out. The, and I, and you the, can't do that. I learned that in yeah. a third way. They have to be willing to do it for themselves, be willing to admit yeah. that they have a problem, whether it's with drugs, alcohol, gang life, or whatever it is, they have to be willing to want to get out of it themselves. That's, it's, my, my parents had to learn the hard way. My parents had to learn the hard way. They couldn't force me to go to drug and alcohol treatment or rehab or whatnot. I had to admit that I had the problem first. And it took me a hell of a long time, I'll tell you that, until 37 years old, 36 years old, whatever it was, until I finally just, you know, got down on my knees and just said, fuck, I am done with this, man. I'm done with sick and tired of being sick and tired at the end of the day. Man, Chris, you're <laughs> preaching to the choir, brother, I'm telling you, man. And I often, oftentimes I talk about this. There's a line in the Jay-Z song in his American Gangster album from a song called Fallen. And he says a line where he goes, the irony of selling drugs is sort of like using it. I guess it's two sides to what substance abuse is. And that always stuck with me because when people talk about substance, they often talk about the, the use of the drug itself and that, and that way of it for a majority of my, my, my teenage life and majority of my adult life, I sold drugs. And so I was addicted to what comes with it from this lane, from this angle, the other side of it, where you're addicted to the cash, you're addicted to the access to the things that you got, like that things that the cash can get you. Uh, you're addicted to the power, you're addicted to all those freaking things that come with it. Not to indict, uh, indict myself, I don't know what statues of limitations are here. I was on that side where like I tell people all the time, I'm truly a recovering addict of, of the street life, from the hood life, from the uh, street pharmacist life where all the shit that came along, that's what I was addicted to. And then that's what I'm susceptible to. So when I come around, I, my, the people that I love who are still in the game, it's like, I walk into rooms where it's big bags of cash and 
and weapons and stuff like that. That's what I see. And that's what I was used to. And that's what I'm weak against. That's where, uh, if I don't fucking play it safe, I'll find myself yearning for that, uh, shit for sure. And you got, like you said, you don't, you got to keep it really honest with yourself. And with the, the minute I tell my, I started telling myself the truth on a consistent basis, what happens is you build a rapport with yourself. And you believe in yourself in a different way when you say, I'm not going to do that, or I am going to do this and I'm going to conquer this. And you set a goal for yourself. Once you start building that rapport with yourself and you start showing up for yourself in a real mindful, purposeful way, but there's a big shift that happens. And once that happened, I was the same person. That's amazing. And and I appreciate you and respect you for sharing that as a addict of drugs myself, it's nice to talk to someone that was on the other side. And hear their sort of story as how they were addicted. It's the same thing, man. Addiction is addiction. Doesn't matter what you're addicted to. It could be porn, sex, you know, drugs, rock and whatever the hell it is, man. But at the end of the day, addiction is addiction. And I'm I'm truly grateful and you know that you're vulnerable enough to share that here, man. Truly respect Absol- you for that. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Chris. You know, and I feel I was a leader on that end of things too. And I, when I started this journey. One of the, one of the main things about unlearning and relearning habits that have benefited me and benefit my family and put myself on a trajectory where not just being successful, but being happy and being content with myself in a real spiritual way. I, one of my number one rules was number one, like things I kept in mind was that I have to bring the same energy on this end as I did on that. And just so I was leading over there, I have to lead over here. Yeah, man, I truly go out of my, I, I go out of my way to make myself visible and let people know that. A lot of the stuff that you pick up on the streets, the transferable skills, you know? 100% man, lots of the skills that I've learned through life have made me in, I'm not, I, I don't forget the past. I, I don't want to forget because that's who made me who I am today. The man I am today, what happened in the past transpired into who I am and what I'm doing today. And whether it's speaking with the younger generation, doing my podcast, sharing my truths and stuff like that, there's no need to sugarcoat it at all. I was talking to someone yesterday, no need to sugarcoat it at all, especially when you're talking to the younger generation, share the truths. Cause if you sugarcoat it, what are they learning? Nothing. They, you need to share your right from the heart. Absolutely, man. Um, and they can't relate to you. The kids have a bullshit, young folks and kids, you know, they have a bullshit detector. That's better than any lie detector test any police department ever had. So kids fucking see right through you. And if you are trying to reach out to youths, you're trying to reach out to these kids and tell them, look at me, relate to me and try to sugarcoat that shit. <laughs> <laughs> they'll run you off the yard real quick. I don't sugarcoat shit myself either. And I, I've never been one to, I don't feel like your message is going to land if you aren't telling your message the way it is and giving people the truth, not just the, not just the curated truth, not just your truth, not just their truth, but like the whole fucking truth, the good, the ugly, the bad, like you got to tell them everything. Like for example, I had, I had a young, I had a young friend that, that was very young and he was in the game. And so he had this. Almost, he was in awe with and enamored with the players in the game. And so for him, that's, and that's what he sees in his neighborhood after all days. That's, that's who he has access to. He, he villainized the things that were good in society and, and, and made a hero out of the things that were bad. And I had to keep it, you have to keep it a hundred percent. And so for me, I made it a point to show him 
that. All the fun and shit that might come with this, give him that explanation, but then give him the harsh truth about, you know, what comes with this life and what the, the bad and the ugly really look like. And they, what they look like is for me, I went to my 32nd funeral the day before I turned 33 and that type of trauma is not something that you wish on anybody, those type, that type of weight holding you down where you have real life memories of laughing and kicking up with somebody and they're not here anymore. And they were taken from you abruptly due to gun violence and shit that comes with the things that he's, he's looking at. Oh my God. Like he's, he looks at like, it's a really, they're the heroes. Those heroes don't live long lives. And so I had, like you say, you just got to give them the whole truth. hundred percent. Cause there's only, you know, two ways out of that. The game you're talking about, it's either the morgue in a casket or jail, really, at the end of the day. That's about it, man. And if you do survive all of that, the price you pay with your soul and the price you pay with, with your spirit is not... And the trauma you it'll, see, the it'll, PTSD yeah, that's it'll gonna never cause. Be worth, it'll never be worth it. The PTSD is crazy, man. You see some of the posts I write, man. Like, I'm, I'm still suffering from that till today, man. I think it was a, a couple of weeks ago where my wife was laughing at me, but it dawned on me that she was laughing at a, a, a life skill that kept me alive for so long. But now she was cracking jokes about it because I'm not involved in it. And it's hindsight's always 20, 20. And I was, I was laughing with her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was, cause it's like, now it's like the weight's kind of gone or leaving, or it's not as heavy. I can see things. It's like, it looks weird when I'm, when a car is driving by and I'm, I'm looking into the windows, who's in that car, that level of alertness helped me survive a certain part of my life. And now I'm in the Walmart parking lot with my wife. The fuck am I looking in people's cars? Oh yeah, that's the same with so, me. Like the paranoia kicks in from all the drugs yeah. I use sometimes. And then I'll get looked at, what are you doing? It's, I have to snap out of it. You know what I mean? You know, don't worry about it. This is why I was doing this, but I don't even know why I'm doing it. I haven't even done this stuff in three years. Watch and catch those things that creep back in though. Cause it, it can lead right. you down the wrong path astray, man. Fucking right, man. And that paranoia that you speak of, but those are things that our decisions rewired our brains. The things that we decided to embark on the past that we decided to journey towards. What they did was they changed the wiring and the, the makeup of our brain. And, 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 and that angle about healing really isn't spoken about too often where we hardwired ourselves to, to take on a different level of trauma and that changed that changed the layout of our brain in a, in a, in a major way. And so unlearning and fucking rechanging that shit. <laughs> That's another it's hard, but, it, but it's, it's worth it. it. It's, it's worth it. <laughs> it is man. And nothing in life worth having is supposed to be easy anyways. And so exactly. um, if you don't, if you don't have any resistance or any difficulty on the journey that you're on, maybe you're on the wrong journey, you need resistance. You need shit to be hard. <laughs> For sure. So what do you do when you want to get out of your own head? Chris, that is, a, that's the million dollar question, man. The, with journeys, what I find is that we convince ourselves that if we finish X, Y, Z, we'll get to this place called success and we'll get to this place called happiness as if they're destinations and that the, the journey in itself is just a means to an end, but really in the journey is where all the magic happens. And I want this so bad, this for my kid, I want it for my wife, for just me. I want it so bad that oftentimes I find myself in my head about a lot of, and then it becomes detrimental to that, 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 that journey. And what I do 
me and you were speaking about, I think was it last night or the night before where you were talking to me about journaling, about gratefulness journaling, is that what you called it? Yeah. Gratitude. Grateful journaling. Gratitude. Exactly. My homegirl, she was really big on meditation and mindfulness and, and doing things on purpose. And she used to preach to me all the time because she'd see myself, me working myself to the bone because I, I convinced myself that it'd be, it, there's this place. If I do these things, I'll get to this place called success and I'll find this place called happiness. And it was through her and my wife and my older sister that ho- uh, harped on me a lot to, to really see what's around me and that I'm truly in a state of happiness and a state of success. And what's happening is, is all the mental. And, and she introduced me to journaling and she introduced me to journaling. Um, the things that I'm grateful for, not necessarily just right now, like X, Y, Z happened, A, B, C happened, one, two, three happened, but more so here's three things I'm, I'm grateful for this morning. Here's four things I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for this afternoon. And here's another three things that I'm grateful for this evening. And uh, man, like it, like I said, the, the changing of the way we're hardwired in our brain, that really, Ooh, the sun just really came out. That's the, Ooh. That's a good light. See that? <laughs> but uh, that it changed the hardwiring of my brain. I'm, I can't get lost in my own thoughts anymore. And it's amazing how effective something as simple as jotting down three bullet points of the things that you're grateful for in this moment, in this very moment. And so what it does for is sure. you're trapped in your mind, pulls you out into the moment. You're not. Cause you, yeah. Cause oftentimes when you're in your mind, you're not in the present, you're either thinking about the past. Or you're overthinking and, and taking and doing that grateful gra- gratitude list. Just real quick. You don't even have to really write it down. You could uh, say it out loud if that works easier for you. And so that's what I found, man. It just helped me get out of my mind and come into and come in, and, and enjoy the moment. Me. I, I love that, man. No, it's, it's so true too. And, and just like living in that present moment with your kids and stuff like that, your family. Is the best thing you can do, man. Man, what habits have helped you make you successful now, man? What are some habits that you created for yourself that have helped you become successful in what you're doing today? I was, I was, I was a homeboy hipster. I was a, (laughs) for me, I, I was, I had a circle of friends that was shit, man, as big as could be. And I, I went with the flow, things like. Things like that, where it was just like, I never really had a plan. If you had asked me, I didn't think I was going to make it to 25 and I did. And so 25 came around and I didn't think I was going to make it to 30. And so, and here I am, uh, seven years into this journey. And at times when these things did, it feels like a dream. It feels like it never happened, but the trauma kind of snaps you out of that. And sorry, can you repeat that question? What was it? What were we, what was no worries. What, what habits have helped make you successful today? Exactly. Like from, exactly. From your past so, life. A lot of my, a lot of that shit is just, there's their transferable skills, right? The eagerness. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The eagerness to grind, the critical thinking, the decision-making, making executive decisions that right on the spot, those are all transferable skills. Those are things that corporations look for in their leaders. And you know, a lot of these young street entrepreneurs exhibit that in abundance. And so being, just being able to identify what it is that you have. I think that's some dope shit. I think that'll take you far being able to identify it and, and make it transferable for you and work for you, whatever other journey you go on to. But as far as habits, man, like I've always been a reader, no matter like what stage of life I was in it, reading has always been a form of escapism for me and reading a lot of the books that I've read 
pulled out a lot of little things, tidbits of, of information that helped propel me in my career, propel me in my personal life. There's a book that I read called Deep Work by Cal Newport, where he talks about in the eight hour workday, on average, people get about an hour and a half, two hours of work, act, like actual work done. And it's because of these, all these little micro distractions, all these breaks, all these things that, that really they just keep us there for eight hours, but really we could have kind of compressed this. And so he talks about this concept of deep work where you just plug yourself in for three hours straight, four hours straight, maybe tap into build a little feng shui, a little office space, place where you can zen, zone in and, and do some deep work. And but what I found with that, it helped really free my time up and increase my productivity. So I'm not only hitting my quotas and, and doing the things I need to do, crushing the goals I've set for me. I've opened up this so much time for myself to do other things. And that adds to your success in however many ways you wanted to is doing some deep work. So that's, that was one for me being mindful of my time in the sense that we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And so what you do with it is up to you and that determines where, how, or however far you're going to go on your journey. And I, Robin Sharma, we were talking about last night, you and I, one of his books called the 5 AM club. That's another game changer for me where I don't need to be up at four in the morning. You know what I mean? I don't need to be up at three in the morning, get some sleep, do your thing, wake up at five in the morning and crush your, crush it. If you can crush your morning and you set that precedent for yourself, that's the day's precedent. Like this is the energy I'm coming into the day with, man. And that's another game changer. So that's a, those are two major habits that have really helped me find, um, uh, the kind the levels of success that I've been looking for. In that's my amazing, career. man. Career. No, and I, and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I know Robin Sharma is an amazing author. His new book, The Everyday Hero Manifesto, The 5 a.m. Club. There's there, he's got so many good books and there's so many other great ones out there too, man. So. Yeah, if anyone's looking for a good book, definitely check out the 5 a.m. club because I'm definitely reading Hell yeah. Too. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> I really enjoy I, I enjoy authors that can uh, that can take really complex subjects and, and give it to you in a very digestible like I, I aspire to to be that kind of a writer where I can take these very complex things and give them to you in the everyday way that we talk and we so Robin Sharma came out comes off as one of those kinds of writers for me where he he shares ex his experiences. Of, of these very complex things in very digestible, very easy ways to the process, you know? Yeah. I found it very easy to learn off the, the everyday hero manifesto so far. Like it's very easy. You can go back and I'll even reread things a few times and be like, yeah, man, that makes total sense with what he's talking about here. Absolutely. Right. Sure. You know, um, the, the average person needs to be spoken, not down to, but explain, you got to explain things bottom up and, and you can only do that in a very, in a universal language and Robert Sherma. Sharma has uh, really mastered that universal. Chris, absolutely. So, yeah. I wanted to take a minute and actually commend you for the podcast. Like I stumbled into this. I don't know. A lot of people are not really big on taking local podcasts in, taking in local creators. And when I say local, our true, uh, true, North strong and free boys, you know what I mean? Like we don't really put a lot of effort into finding Canadian podcasts and tapping in with, with, with our, our fellow countrymen and women. And uh, I really try to go out of my way and take in the content that's being made in my country here. And I, I, I stumbled into the dark side of healing. And so for me, it was, it was a breath of fresh air and then building this 
relationship with you, uh, going back and forth, talking about various different things, man. I mean, you play a big role in, in, in anchoring me, especially in times where I find myself, like I said, in my head about things, you become one of those people I really look to, to find solace because I understand you understand what I understand, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, I appreciate that, man. No, it does make sense. And it's nice to, you know, connect with fellow people and people from your own country and stuff like that. And it, truly grateful for your words, man. I truly appreciate those kind words of yours, man. And they go a long way, man. Even anyone out there listening, leaving a little comment or leaving a review, it, it, it goes a long way for helping oh, yeah. us content creators grow as well, man. Oh yeah. So I wanted to touch a little bit too around it's Black History Month too, which is amazing. And it's something we should all celebrate as a whole. What are your feelings on cultural appropriation? <laughs> I like how you dropped that. What are your feelings on cultural appropriation? Ah <laughs> uh, man, it's fucking shitty, man. Don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not uh, true, man. Like, yeah, just don't do it, man. Well, all adults, I find it very difficult to understand why people continue to do shitty shit. You know what I mean? It's so simple. Somebody asks you not to do something, don't do it. It's fine to enjoy a culture. I, I enjoy many. I enjoy all, to be honest. And, and I find something beautiful about every culture. I feel like cultures are like, like, are like women. There's, there's beauty. There, there's something beautiful about all of them. And there's something worth loving about all of them and just just be mindful of of what culture really is it defines a lot of people it, it gives a lot of identity to to folks and so that's a place where you tread carefully you should enter the space of culture more so in a curious you ask questions and you learn more about it rather than coming in and trying to just be like, I like this shit, I'm going to do this. I like this shit, I'm going to take this for mine. And even though I do believe we're all global citizens and that overlap in everything that we do, there's parts of how we dress that are our hip hop culture, there's parts of how we speak that are Western culture, and there's parts of uh, us that are different cultures that we've adopted in, in respectful ways. Yeah, like I said, it's you got to it's tread lightly and, and be more inquisitive than you are demanding and more where you feel entitled to it or anything like that. You just make sure somebody else's ask first. You don't just put on people's clothes and you don't just put on people's shoes. Um, if you like it, ask where it's from, how they made it, what it means to you, why you like it. And asking these things, um, why this thing stands out to you? What connection do you have with it? And in asking that, those series of questions, I find you're not even going to want to appropriate it. You know what I mean? You're going to actually like appreciate it so much that the level of respect is going to be like, yo, let me protect it rather than just, yo, let me just snatch it for my, my own gains and whatnot. So yeah, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and you're so right there, man. If you don't know something about someone's culture, Go do some research or actually ask that person those inquisitive questions like you asked instead of being ignorant about it in a bad way too. You can be ignorant in a good way where you don't know things. Go do your research. Go ask those questions so you can learn more about it and understand what it is all about. Exactly. And all, nobody has all the answers. There's an old uh, adage, hip-hop adage, closed mouths don't get fed on this boulevard. You know what I mean? And so with the, the meaning behind that is if you don't ask no questions, if you don't say you're hungry, you speak, nobody's a mind reader and nobody's going to be able to, to help you out. And so ask these questions, use that gift of gab, use that, that mouth that, that the Lord gave us. Yes. <laughs> exactly, man, for sure. Ask these questions. Uh, hell yeah, man. But happy Black History Month to you too, man. I actually got selected this month as a spotlight 
teacher writer at the Mount Royal University, which is the school that I go to. And so I wrote a short story actually called Love, Olive Oil and Coffee. And it's, it's my origin story. That's the, the theme of, of the story. And it's being featured this month. And afterwards, I'll drop my socials and stuff. And if, if you guys want, you can tap in. There'll be links to be sharing, um, I believe, tomorrow I have to submit my polished version of, this, of, of the dramatic reading uh, of the story. And so exciting, man. It's the thing with That's Black amazing. History. I'm proud of you for creating that story, that dramatic story for others to hear in your origin story, man. That's, that's deep. Absolutely, man. Like it's for real, like for, I'm finding these new avenues of creating and sharing these stories. It's almost like an evolution of my writing where it's like, I'm finding like audio, um, making it an audio experience as well goes a long way with, with your listeners and your readers. And so when I, once I started tapping into that, I was like, oh shit, I like this, man. I like being able to read my stories in the way that I wrote them. And have people, you don't have people leaving your readings with, with question marks. They, they hear the tone in which you're speaking and they hear exactly what you mean. And it's, it, 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 I'm thrilled to have been selected one and two in keeping with the spirit of black history month. That was a little bit of my black history. I'm, I'm from Somalia. I'm a refugee of war. And so I was born to a pretty affluent family that did very well for themselves. And then a civil war broke out in 1991 and my aunt who was 19 at the time, she overnight became a mother figure to, to an eight-year-old and a two-year-old, which were, were, were me and my brother. And so she brought us here and she raised us for 12 years. I actually met my mom when I was damn near 14 years old. And I met my dad when I was like 15, my biological parents. And so I was raised um, by people who weren't my biological parents. And so I always had the sense of I was loved, but not unconditionally. And I had this chip on my shoulders growing up. These are the isms that I'd had. And so... That's my personal black, the black experience. The thing about it is people think it's like being black. It's one thing. Everybody goes through the same shit and it's not the black experience is actually something that's very unique to yourself. And my personal history doesn't actually trace back to the history of slavery and the Western experience that black people had. My, my experience goes to straight to Africa and my experience goes to colonialism, which was that's my parents speak Italian because Italy colonize the part of Somalia that I'm from and being able to share my origin story and, and my experience, it's, it was very refreshing because oftentimes people feel like you're black. What, what more is there to it? The experience is the experience. There's racism out here and, and there's bigotry and there's, there's uh, systemic racism and interpersonal racism. And it's all stems from uh, being simply from being black. But when you're black 24 seven, there's a whole lot more than racism out here about your story. And it's, it's, it's been thrilling. It's been an honor to be able to tell my stories. You know, I, I can't wait to share it with everybody. Nice, man. I appreciate that, man. And we've almost come to the end of the show, but before they go, where can, where will they be able to find the story? Where can they find Liban on social media and stuff like that? To follow him and you'll follow along on his journey, man. Hell yeah, man. SophiaMedia.ca, the, the website's actually uh, up, but it's, it's, it's a bit under construction right now, but it's, it is up and you can find me directly on Instagram at real prime examples. That's me. You'll probably see me posting a bunch about my kids. That's a, a reoccurring theme in my posts lately, but, um, yeah, and there's lehasan.com, which is where if you're hiring for writers, because career-wise, my I'm a PR professional, but also I'm a full-time copywriter right now. And so that's what I do. I work for a local marketing agency and I help 
with I'm uh, with coffee. And if ever you have your small business, you have um, your whatever journey you're on, I can definitely help you write some copy, reach out, build and build these connections. But honestly, I minus being a writer and a father, I really fancy myself as a as a connector. And I am, I know a lot of people and a lot of people from all walks of life. And, and I find that has really worked in my favor and finding people that meet each other and, and connecting them. And yeah, man, feel free to, to reach out and anytime I'm always down for a good conversation about growth and the things that we need to do to, to acquire more of it. And as Chris, me and you go back and forth fairly often about, about our growth mindsets and, and how we promote it and. Yeah, that's where you can find me most well, yeah. on my Instagram. Thank you again for coming on the show today and you're sharing your experience, your strength, your hope, and your story, man. And it's your story is your story and your truth, and that's all that matters. And I'll drop all the links to all his stuff in the show notes, everyone. But I hope you have a great rest of your day, man. Nah, man, thank you for having me, Chris. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. I, we didn't get a chance to talk about AD, our ADD. And so we'll see that's for our next one. You know what I mean? Or I'll have you come on for sure. Uh, my podcast when I'm, when I bring it back and definitely, man, but I really appreciate what you're doing out here for us, man. And that your efforts don't go unseen. And I want you to know that and smell your flowers while you can. And so I'll be sure to keep letting you smell your flowers, man, as often as I can. Thank you so much again, man. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Nah, for sure, bro.